Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another Core Parenting Conversation with Kaylee. I'm Kaylee Kukla, and I am so excited to bring you today's conversation with Shayna Shockett. She's a mom of three, a wife, a therapist behind the Instagram account Love After Baby, which specializes in the postpartum period of motherhood, particularly the partnership dynamics that can dramatically shift either right after having a baby or just throughout parenthood because we definitely go through seasons, not just of marriage or partnership, but also motherhood, parenthood. So she's joining the conversation today to help answer the question that we both get so often. And that is, what can we do when we don't agree on parenting approaches? Maybe it's one topic. Maybe it's one sticky situation your kid has popped up into a developmental stage that's really throwing you for a loop, or maybe it's just in general, the philosophies don't seem to align. How can you navigate those conversations with your partner so it doesn't explode? What are some realistic expectations for ourselves and our partner when we don't see eye to eye? I've been looking forward to this conversation so much, and I'm excited to share it with you. So let's go ahead and dive in to this core parenting conversation. Well, hello, Shana. Thank you so much for being here for this core conversation. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to dive into our topic today. This is one I feel like we collaborated with, was that a year or two years ago? Maybe. I know that I think we reposted it again a year ago, but I think we originally did it maybe two years ago. (laughs) I don't know, time in the last three years now it's been since March, 2020. So in the last three years, time has been kind of warped and our concept of time is so (laughs) distorted. Yeah. So previously we, this is something I feel like a topic we've just revisited time and time again. And it's the topic of when your partner or your co-parent has a different parenting style than you or doesn't buy in to your approach to parenting. And that can easily create conflicts in a partnership or a marriage. And so do you see that a lot in your practice? Yeah, yeah that comes up a lot, especially with couples where you know, one person is more on Instagram and following different mom and parenting accounts or reading more books. So they're seeing the newer research, the newer literature, the newer ways of thinking or things that we've realized. And their partner who's less immersed in all of this says, what's the big deal if we just parent the same way we were parented or the same way our parents did it? We turned out just fine. And fine and thriving are not the same thing. 
right? <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, you're functioning, but sometimes we don't realize the different trauma or I know trauma is a loaded word and it's almost a buzzword these days. So it's not, I know that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily characterize certain things their parents did as trauma. So I'm not going to characterize it or categorize it as trauma in case people don't feel that way, but it's still not ideal, right? Sometimes we have a certain visceral reaction, like our body kind of tenses up. We get knots in our stomach our heart starts racing, we feel anxious when something is happening. And a lot of times that can be tied to something that was approached a certain way when we were younger. You know, whether it's running late for an appointment and suddenly you're knots in your stomach and maybe that was a pattern in your childhood where you were yelled at for being late or if you're messy, let's say, and then you see this mess and you tense up because you were yelled at or disciplined because you were messy. And not to say that we should just let our kids do whatever they want, whenever they want, that would be a laissez-faire attitude, which is not ideal either. But there is the school of thought now that conscious discipline, which is not just punishing for just to try to get your message across by threatening or giving a punishment that's not relevant to the thing that's going on. It's about being conscious to connect with them, to help them see what's going on. Yeah. And, and I think there's so many interesting points that you pulled out. And one of the things that I find a lot, especially when I'm coaching parents on sibling conflict in particular, is how uncomfortable, how upsetting. And again, another buzzword is like the trigger. But parents, especially I work with mostly moms, a lot of moms are triggered back into this huge stress response state when there is conflict. Because conflict was just... Um, maybe it was scary or maybe it wasn't allowed. Maybe it was shut down. Maybe there wasn't a model for healthy conflict uh, in the house where they grew up. And so then not only is this, can this be really stressful when we've got multiple children going at it conflict wise, but then in your partnership too. hundred percent. So- like it, it ties <laughs> into your relationship with your partner, these yes. same patterns, these things, that's why it's so important to be conscientious about how we raise our children because we are now affecting, and I'm not trying to give moms another thing that is right. their responsibility, <laughs> but the reality is that we are affecting the way that our children will relate to other people in the future based on our relationship with them and based on our relationship with our partner that they see. And our partner and us have been affected by our own own childhoods. And that's a lot of times the source of conflict that we have. I think that's it. So I want to give people really super like tactical, tangible things to walk away with. And I think that's the number one, like a great first step. And you can tell me if we need to back up or jump forward is just being aware that you both might have very different experience with conflicts and communication and recognizing that when you're walking into a very emotionally loaded conversation. Parenting is emotionally loaded. We carry a lot of baggage around it. And I think the common ground, and this is something we talked about when we first collaborated, is look, we both want the best for our child. We both can agree on that. Like, let's find the common ground first and then deal with the stuff that we may not see eye to eye or we might have differing opinions or perspectives on. So would you say that's a fair, like, first step of just acknowledging, like, hey, 
I'm a bulldog when it comes to conflict. I'll take it on like I'm a fighter. Whereas I'll use our relationship as an example. My husband is, he does not like conflict. He rather just walk away from it. And so, you know, I've had to soften myself and he's had to become like, be more comfortable being more assertive with himself. But that took a lot of just recognizing our own patterns to get to that point. Yeah. And we can be affected either way based on our childhoods, right? So somebody who grew up in a high conflict household can go either way where (laughs) because they were around conflict so much, they gravitate towards conflict or because they were around conflict so much, they shut down when there's conflict. So just because you've had an experience doesn't mean you'll repeat it. Either you repeat it or you run in the opposite direction. And then if you have a partner who starts repeating that same cycle that you were so uncomfortable with, then that brings up a lot of different reactions for you and a lot of emotions. And that turns into its own conflict between you and your partner. So it's important to have that discussion in general, even when it's not about parenting of the different ways that your pasts have affected who you are today and where some of those might clash with each other and turn into situations that could be diffused pretty easily if there was a recognition that it's not about me versus you here. It's our stuff is coming up because of something going on now, stuff that we didn't even realize we were carrying from when we were kids or didn't resolve. And we need to tackle that and talk about it so that it doesn't become a recurring issue in our relationship. Yeah. And that's a, that takes a lot of self-awareness and yeah. also, I think a lot of owning, like it's un- it can be uncomfortable to like own our own stuff, especially if the line is, well, I'm fine. Well, yeah. my parents yelled at me and I'm fine. Or my parents spanked me, I'm fine. I mean, whatever, whatever the point of contention is. So I think that, you know, easier said than done, but just being aware of it and, and starting in that right. realm might be helpful. So coming to that conversation, like we said, open-minded mm-hmm. and viewing it as we're a team here. We're parents. We want to parent our kids in the best way that we can. We're going to make mistakes inevitably because we're human and right. human beings are fallible. <laughs> we are not perfect. And we both make mistakes, you know, even with all the knowledge that we have, we make mistakes with our partners. We make mistakes with our kids. But because we have the knowledge, sometimes we are quicker to repair and maybe have more skills to repair. And even then, sometimes it's hard because we're people and that's okay. Moms, if you messed up, dads, if you messed up, that's okay. You're human. But going forward, don't say I'm human, so I'm going to do whatever. Know that you will mess up, but make every effort you can to do the best that you can. So then knowing that, the way that I found with parents is really helpful is to say, you know, let's look at what the research is showing, right? Research recently has shown that hitting kids has an impact on their brain development, different things like that, where we don't necessarily see the effects upright and we don't necessarily see the direct effects in adults, but it affected them in some way that is affecting certain struggles that they may have now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, what are you hoping to accomplish Yeah, by, let's say spanking? I mean, that's just, that's an easy one to point to because I think that's, that conversation is becoming more mainstream um, mm-hmm. and just awareness that it's, it's not an effective form of discipline. And so if we look at that and say, okay, what are you hoping to accomplish when you do this? You know, what is yeah. the goal and are there better ways that feel good for both of us to accomplish the same thing. 
How do you feel about that? I mean, I just, I think that finding that common ground and really exploring, what did you, exploring the dream? Yeah. Was that the thing you put in the post of like, tell me about that? Yes. The idea that you both have of how you envision things are going to be. So you have this vision of your child would be a certain way and parenting would be a certain way. And you want your child to be a maybe model citizen and behave. And so you need to accomplish this goal. And so you think, you know, if I spank them, then they will learn that this behavior is unacceptable and then they will be the person that I want them to be. But I reflected on this myself sometimes and I don't hit, but sometimes I will tell my daughter, let's say that I'm going to throw something away, let's say. And in my head, you know, it's a natural consequence because if she's using this thing that I told her she can't use, then it's going to be taken away. But then in my head... I'm teaching her, you know, as long as you're bigger than somebody, you can throw away their thing. Or if I'm not around and you're upset at me, you can throw away something that's mine because you're upset. And children are people, even though they're little. So we have to think about how would I deal with being treated that way when I mess up? Because we all mess up. So we don't want to give kids the message of whoever's bigger gets to just be a dictator. Yeah, I think that's and I, you know, and I'm totally genderizing here. I'm totally going to the default dynamic of mom, dad, and dad being the more authoritarian parent. That's the house that I grew up in for sure. Dad was the enforcer. That's definitely a stereotypical where it's like, you just wait till your father comes home. Right, right. So that's what I'm having in my head. And I just think, especially when we think of that male role model, Typically, men are bigger, are stronger than female, typically, right? And so we see, like, is that the pattern? Like, I have all boys. So is that the pattern that would would we want our son when he's dating to treat his partner that way um, or his spouse that way eventually? Or um, if we had a daughter, is that how we would want her to expect to be treated? I think those are really important conversations. Not that, again, and I'm, I'm sure you kind of probably see this in your practice, we don't want to have parents jumping 20 years all the time in their head because we can catastrophize that way, our child's behavior, yeah. but also understanding that we're setting patterns here, r- relationship yeah. patterns, and our relationship with our child is that blueprint, and is that the pattern that we want them to carry forward in life? And I think those are some really vulnerable conversations to have with your partner, Um, and, and maybe they, those might feel less shamey or blamey when you're, you're having them outside of the heat of the moment. Right. And definitely don't bring it up. Hey, let's have this conversation (laughs) right after your partner disciplined your kid in a way that you're totally not on board with. Right. But you can have a, I've heard of some parents having a code word where, Let's say there's a situation going on and one of the parents is disciplining the child or children in a way that the other parent is really uncomfortable with. They can say some funny word like cotton balls. And that means that the other (laughs) parent knows that, okay, I need to like take a step back. I need to take a break because I'm very hyped up right now. And usually we're not disciplining our kids when parents discipline their kids in an aggressive or irrational way the keyword there is irrational. You're not Mm -hmm. in a calm, regulated state of mind. It typically comes when we're emotionally dysregulated. Is that the word? Deregulated, dysregulated? 
Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, we have all this stuff going on because we're human. And I, I had a situation the other day where I was on the phone for a really long time, something with insurance and I was dealing with stuff. And then my daughter decided to tape this beautiful thing that she made onto the carriage. And I got really upset about it. And I started asking her why she would do something like that. And I explained to her how, even though I'm a mommy, I'm also a human being. And sometimes we get really overwhelmed and sometimes there's a lot going on. And then we sometimes need a little bit of time to ourselves to breathe and to relax. And I explained to her, you know how sometimes when you're upset, you want me to hold you or you want to sit next to me. And sometimes when you're upset, you want your own private space. So mommies are just the same way. We're humans, we're people, even though we're adults, we still have big feelings sometimes. And it's important to have those conversations with your kids because it also allows them to feel their big feelings and know that that's okay. In some households, right, parents get upset when their kid cries or their kid has a big emotion, and then these kids learn to stuff down their emotions. So they're not not having these emotions. They're just pretending they're not having them. Right. And right. that will... Them. Yeah. And that leads to so many different things like anxiety, self-medicating in different ways to numb certain emotions. And so the way that we respond to our children's behavior and emotions and the way that we choose to discipline, not punish, punish and discipline are two different words, you know, really has an effect on the people that they grow into and the tone that we set for our family and the tone that we're creating for our children to set for their families in the future, because these, like you said, these patterns or cycles are perpetuated. Yeah. And I love what you said about the code word. And very early on, my husband and I, we call it the tag in tag out. And so I can walk out of a room if he's home. Sometimes we're solo and and life happens, but if we're home and we have that resource, we know each other well enough and we've now practiced this enough where if I'm getting, like this morning is a perfect example. My five-year-old is in this phase of like, if there's a piece of lint on a shirt, all of a sudden that shirt is unwearable. Like, you know, and it's causing like massive, if there's a thread coming out of his sock, it's really over the oh, top yeah. and it's it's really becoming an issue. And so I was just getting so frustrated with him. I'm like, I can't, every PJ, every clothes change, everything. It's this and I'm done. And I just looked at my husband. I'm like, I can't do this right now. Like I'm walking out of the room and you can either like let him figure it out for a few minutes by himself or you can go in and try, but I need to tag out of this. Yeah. And so we just tag in, tag out. And I think that's so powerful. Like I don't need him. It's not about him coming in and backing me up or like now daddy's coming in or something, bringing in the big guns, so to speak. But it's more of just like, I'm realizing it's like mommy's getting overwhelmed. I'm dysregulated. I'm not adding anything into this situation except for more stress and making it worse. You know, like, yeah, we need another energy force in here to help diffuse the situation or regulate the situation. If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set. 
If you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month-to-month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on-demand parenting support. So you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. And if we can be in tune to when we are getting to that point where, you know, this, we're getting to that point where we're almost at the straw that broke the camel's back, yep. then yep. we can prevent ourselves from doing so much damage. Cause typically the things that we regret doing or regret saying happen yes. after that point. So yes. when we're feeling like we're getting to that point, like you said, it's great to have that understanding with your partner of some sort of thing you can say where they know, okay, she's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. Uh, I'm going to step in and help deal with this. So back to the, that code word, what I was saying was with the parents, if they're seeing one parent, not this is separate from seeing one parent get overwhelmed. This is if they're seeing one parent who already is past that point of being yep, overwhelmed yep. and is saying or doing something they don't really approve of. I don't mean approve, but they're not aligned with as parents. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. can say, say this word that brings that other person back to awareness of, hey, I'm doing something that we don't do as the way we discipline our kids. And then they can step away from the situation and then they can have a conversation later when both parents are calm, when the situation is diffused, when they're not heated. Because when we have conversations like this in the heat of the moment, we end up saying things we regret. We end up not getting our message across. The person who is the one who's already aggravated can't take in what you're saying because their rational brain is offline. They're right in the anger part of their brain right now, and they're not hearing anything you say. So anything you say, even if it is constructive, is not going to be received and will only fuel the fire even more. And then because you might be getting upset that they're not hearing you and they're not understanding you or responding to you the way that you would hope, you're maybe going to start getting really upset and then start saying things that you don't want to say. But this is not to say we're not going to talk about it at all because when we do that, when we sweep things under the rug, the dirt ends up finding its way out at an inconvenient time. So you do have to make sure to have this conversation and maybe even if you're the type of couple that this works for, penciling it on your schedule to talk about it on your weekly check-in or talking about it later that night once the kids are in bed, once you've had some time to relax and cool down, but having this conversation about what happened and why you weren't okay with it and how you would like to approach those kind of situations in the future together. How does that conversation start? Because I feel like the way we start the conversation is the tone the and and it just intensifies 
the rest of the conversation if we go in. hundred percent. So there's right? a statistic from, there's a statistic from Gottman. I haven't used it in a while, so I'm trying to remember what the numbers are, but maybe 80 something percent or 90, I think it might even be 90 something percent wow. of conversations end up the way that they started. So when we start a conversation in a critical way or in a heated way or in an angry way, and even if we have good content to say and we make sense and we're justified in what we're saying, because we started in that tone, that's how the conversation is going to go. And we're not going to get the result out of it that we wanted. And so the Gottmans came up with this formula they call the soften startup. So that's starting a conversation of something that could have been phrased in a critical or harsh way and phrasing it in a softened way. So we use I statements instead of you statements, because when you say you something, something, it automatically puts the person on the defensive and then they can't hear you properly. So you make something about, I, you know, I've been feeling overwhelmed or I've been feeling sad. I've been feeling unhappy about the way that we've been. And then you can say something of mutual. So you're not putting it on them. So do it, making it a mutual situation or a general situation about the way that we're disciplining our kids. Can we read some research? Can we look into some options so that we can get on board with something that feels right to both of us so mm-hmm. that we can both feel comfortable with how things in our home go and to feel comfortable with the cycle of events that happens when our kids maybe misbehave or start acting out or do something that upsets one of us. I love that idea of the soft startup, just how it feels when I say it, because when you're going in and you're owning, yeah, I'm feeling uncomfortable or I'm feeling, you know, I get really confused because I, I don't have a lot of clarity around you know, what system are we using to help our children? And I think it could be helpful to find something that works for both of us or something like that. Or let's just look at an objective source. I tell parents all the time, I'm like, you know, even with me, and I'm sure you find it too, it's always, it's so much easier to find an objective source. And I can't, I can't always be the teacher in our relationship or when people are too close, you know, it's, yeah. it's sometimes helpful to just read it and let someone filter out the information and process the information before we discuss it together Yeah, or before we land on it. Cause then I'm not trying to convince him of something or. Yeah. It could be helpful know. also to find a uh, either article or a YouTube video, or even if you come across some great Instagram posts, that explain this idea you're trying to get across because most likely your partner, if they're not into this, they're not going to read a whole book on it. They're not going to read a book that you tell them to read. But if you give them an article that they can read in five minutes, or you give them a YouTube video that they can watch in 10 minutes, then they're more likely to go ahead and do that. And then you can have a conversation about it together. Hey, what were your thoughts about what you read or what you watched? How can we implement this in our home? because we're setting patterns. And then very often we might be communicating with each other in the ways that we're not liking how the other person is communicating with our kids. So it's taking a step back and looking at that too. How can we be kinder when we need to be? How can we be more polite, so to speak, 
you know, a lot of times we'll say to our kids, like, why are you yelling? And we're yelling as we're saying, why are you yelling? And okay, there's a hint. It reminds me of this comic that was in one of the textbooks in school where this mom is screaming at her kid. It's just a picture, but you see like they put all caps. So you see she's screaming really loud and frustrated and she's yelling at him because he's playing video games. She's saying, those games make you yell and be violent and all those things. And yeah, she's not looking in the mirror to think maybe it's the way that I'm communicating with my kid that's affecting how they communicate. Possibly. Yeah, for sure. Is this true? I want to, I want to fact check this. I remember a while ago, I found that I read something that said that the conflict patterns in a partnership and whether it be a marriage or co-parent relationship really set the precedent on for sibling relationships as well and how children and even peer relationships, children navigate conflict and relationships so that if they see us maybe using the soft startup or working Even if we lose it with our partner, just like with our kids, you know, we lose our temper, snap or say something unkind, going back and repairing and modeling that as well. Yeah. Because I think, you know, that happens too. Yeah. I think there is, I can't tell you exactly where, I I believe that there is literature that supports that because definitely the way that we interact gives them I know for sure in their different partnerships and so also their sibling relationships shows them how to interact with people. Like these are how peers interact with each other. My mom and dad interact this way or my mom, mom, whatever, you know, your family set up and they see this and think, okay, that's how we talk to people. That's how we communicate. That's how we fight. So people always ask, oh my gosh, I fought in front of my kids with my partner. Are they going to be okay? And ideally, no, we don't want to fight with our partner in front of our kids, but it's okay and natural that it's going to maybe happen at some point. And that's Mm -hmm. healthy in a way for them to see smaller conflicts. Maybe you don't want to have a full blown out argument, but it's healthy for them to see some conflicts, know that conflict is okay. Because sometimes I've worked with couples who one of them will say, you know, my parents never, ever had an argument in front of me. And so in their relationship, when they had an argument with their partner, suddenly they felt, okay, we're wrong. We're not meant to be together. This is not a good relationship because my parents never had an argument and now we're arguing. And it's very likely their parents did have arguments at some point, and maybe they just (laughs) made a point of not having it in front of their kids, but then their kids thought arguments don't happen in happy relationships. And conflict happens in all relationships. It's about how it happens and how we grow and repair and learn from it. So we're going to have differences. We're not always going to see 100% eye to eye with our partner. But when we have these conflict situations that pop up and conflict doesn't mean aggressively fighting, but when conflict comes up, we're able to learn something about each other. We're able to learn what each person wants, where each person is not having their needs met, what each person needs, et cetera, and go from there. I love that. And I think that's a really great point to sum up this whole idea of when we have disagreements in our partnership about our parenting is it doesn't mean someone has to be right, someone has to be wrong, someone loves the kids less, or someone is not willing to do what we want. That's not what it's about. It's about viewing this conflict as, okay, we both have some needs. 
we're both trying to get those needs met. We both have priorities and something's not aligned. And this is really an opportunity to figure out where we can align, where we can come together. And being open and a safe space for your partner to like vent and have frustrations because sometimes a partner will say, I'm so angry. I can smack them right now, or I can hit them right Mm -hmm. now. And they're allowed to say and feel that, right? Right. Right. You don't want them doing it, but they're allowed to feel that way because feelings just pop up in us. And sometimes feelings aren't feelings that we like, but they're there. And so having that safe space where your partner can communicate with that with you, and then you can help them co-regulate. You can have a conversation about it. Do you need to go on a walk while I deal with the rest of bedtime routine or whatever it is? So just always being on a team together, getting on the same page with each other, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And full disclosure, I feel like I need to confess this, but one of the things I do with my husband is sometimes on the really hard days, like there was a day this week where I texted him, I got, I picked my one son up first and then go get my second son. And as soon as my first son got in the car, it was like instant whining and upset. And, you know, he was just like on a tear. And I texted my husband and I was like, okay, five minutes in and I'm already done. And just texting him that, just like letting him know was enough of a release where I could stay calm and help my son kind of figure out like, okay, do you want to listen to a podcast? Do you want to listen to this book? Do you like, here's your snack and, you know, get him to a place where then he could chill. But I think that's really important to know that just because I love that just because our partner shares a feeling with us, if they're not acting on it, it's not always glamorous and not judging the other person for having that feeling, but being that safe space, just like we are for our children. Right. Venting can be cathartic, right? Just it get, feels cleansing in some way, like just getting it off our chest so we're not holding it all inside. So appreciate that they're coming to you with that and they're opening up versus keeping that bottled in and then it coming out in some other way that's not pleasant. I love that. All right, Shana. Well, thank you so much. And before we go, tell people, um, I did it in your intro, but just in case they skip that and start our conversation, tell people where they can find you because I love your resources you offer online and you just rolled out a new one for people, right? Yes. Thank you so much. So we just rolled out a membership right now. It's not open all the time. There will be open periods where people can join and then for a month or two will be closed so that the new members can get in and get comfortable with each other before we bring in some new people. It might eventually just be open all the time. We'll see how that goes. But you can find me over at loveafterbaby on Instagram or loveafterbaby.com to get some free resources, join the waitlist for my membership or join the membership if it's open when you hear this and also read some helpful blog posts. I love it because it's always such practical relationship advice, always under the idea that we've got kids in the mix. And so it's super practical to real life, real mom life. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Talk to you soon.